Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of You Mad Bro. I'm Dr. Jess Sally. And I'm Dr. Shannon Edwards. Today we're going to get into a little bit of a discussion about a very common topic, very common theme that permeates most co-parenting relationships. The anger. Anger. Hatred. <laughs> Is that a fair word? Can we use that word? Uh, yeah, hate, I mean, hate, hate. Okay. we're not in therapy. We're let's, not in my therapy room, so we let, can use words that normal people would use, okay. well, that lay people would use, like okay. every, just, I'm just going to forget that I'm a doctor for this hour. <laughs> can we just do that? Sure, like, that's I'm fine. not a therapist. Let's I am just, just a parent that went through a shit divorce. How about that? All right, that's fair. Okay, cool. Then yeah, hate. All right, hate's hate. a good word. Hate's a, hate's a strong word, though. It's such a strong word, especially like right now considering the socio-political climate we're in sure. and all that. So let's just say anger. All right. We'll stick with anger. Then. All right. Great. Anger certainly does breed emotions that are strong. So today we wanted to, I think, discuss our uh, experience a little bit in terms of the emotions that we went through with our separation and divorce and then subsequently how that kind of translated into our interactions in co-parenting. And that was tough. Yeah. We'll just kind of start maybe from the beginning in terms of like, like not the beginning, beginning we covered that in episode one, but like we, we, we went into co-parenting therapy. Correct. And it got real, real. And something that I see that applied to us and also goes on with a lot of the clients that I see is that, Folks often say, like, my relationship with my partner doesn't affect either my co-parenting or, like, why do we have to talk about the past? Like, let's just focus on now. And it's really impossible. Right. And it was something that we struggled with. One thing that's hard to get past is the emotion of, I hate you. And I think the um, the the anger, obviously, that we already kind of specified is is kind of the driving emotion behind that. But when you carry that into a situation like co-parenting counseling, it's hard. It, it's hard to, I think, process a lot of the emotions that you need to in order to be like good in, in terms of a co-parenting relationship. Yeah. And like identifying where the anger is coming from is super hard when you're in it. So like, does it come from the actual end of the relationship? Does it come from the fact that we never talked about it? Does it come from the litigation that's going on? There's just so many factors usually at play when yeah. it's going on. And I mean, you know, our, our interactions were venomous, I think is a descriptor that we could use in yeah. some instances. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you more than me, obviously, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, uh, <laughs> I just think that uh, processing through a lot of that anger is part of the foundation, I think, for being successful in terms of a co-parenting relationship. But the reason we titled the podcast The Opposite of Love is that uh, your you know, typical quote was... The opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. So right. the goal is to get to a place where you are either friends with, with your co-parent or and or you're indifferent to issues that would normally be emotionally charged. So like you're not having an argument over what clothes to send with your other co-parent or you're not having an argument that is fueled by anger and venom over what sports to play or 
you know, what holiday, how much time you're going to spend on a holiday. Like the goal is to get to a place where you pick up the phone and you say, hey, I want, you know, child for X, Y, and Z. Can, can I do that? And then you have a conversation about it. And the only way to get to that point is to like sift through all the emotion. Right. Like the amount of shorts that the kid has at one house or the other for the weekend. Yeah, because you'd be stealing should, all her shorts. <laughs> What'd you call my place? The places where things go, <laughs> go to, to die. die. <laughs> you'd be stealing all her stuff. I don't, though. <laughs> she just leaves it there, and it just never seems to make its way back. Yeah. But that's but that's but that's like the funny part is that like you don't even think about it in the moment. Like you just want her to be able to take whatever she wants or do whatever she wants and not have to worry about that. But yeah, now now we're there. Right. But like but if foundationally, we right. Yeah, it was like, hey, give me back those shorts that she took back that she <laughs> took to your house. Where's where are her PJs? Right. You know, like yeah. uh And we also have to acknowledge like we're we were and continue to be in a pretty privileged like position because a lot of families either don't have the money to share like to buy their own sets of clothes and right. things and they have to share items so number one you want to be getting along because of that because you need to be sharing things and number two even even being able to buy her like two sets of clothes and things like that i mean we still share the really i mean the more expensive stuff i mean nobody yeah. wants to be buying like two sets of ballet clothes that, that stuff's expensive yeah it was real expensive so either way um you know i, I mean these yeah. are things that you want to be able to pick up the phone and talk to your co-parent about sure there are, there are levels to that to all those different problems you know money's a factor time is a factor location is a factor uh, in terms of just like, you know, transportation and like, you know, getting from one place to another. I mean, I can remember one of the one of the most anger inducing topics in our divorce was like dropping off, literally just the act of taking her to meet one person in a specific place. I think that was during. Yes. Like initially. Yeah. Are you talking about the driveway fight? Yeah. Oh, man, that was. Okay, so it was the holidays. We're gonna set this up. It was the holidays, <laughs> let's, right? Let's paint the let's paint the scene. Let's paint our not best moment. All right. So then there was an argument over a driveway exchange. It was during the point in time where there were like cross petitions in place for PFAs that right. you know we've already talked about. Right. Ultimately consented to and withdrawn. Our daughter was six, six, six at the time. Yeah. Okay. So. The marital residence sits on a driveway that's that's slanted, but it actually is its own address, right? Right. And there were, I think, like five to ten letters sent back and forth. And then ultimately, the judge was like, drop her off and let her get out of the car by herself and walk right. to the front door. And I was right. like, there's no way that's happening with a six-year-old. But we couldn't agree on it ourselves. Right. So then... We made the biggest mountain out of oh my God, literally incredible. dropping our kid off at the bottom of the driveway. And then there was like family members involved and we didn't want to pick up when there was a family member around. And I mean, it was. There was emergency petitions, like <laughs> RIP to my lawyer's weekend. RIP. Like it was like, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, Friday afternoon, it was like, what's the, the flavor of the day going to be in terms of motions that are sent in on Friday afternoon at 4 p.m.? But I mean, and it's just like, and in the moment, it is the most important thing in your life. It is the most like you think you're right about it. Yeah. And you, 
you, you know, are engaged. You are engaged. You are like, You're this like, is it. Lightsaber up, all shields, like all weapons fire. It's dirty. Yeah. And, and looking back on it, it didn't have. To- this was over an exchange in the driveway. In the driveway. Right. So, I mean, you know, sitting here right now talking about that. Learning from it. Learning. Pro- we are able to make light of it because right. we have learned from it. Processing it over and over and over again. Processing so processing the emotion behind it. I mean, that took a lot to get to that point. But but those are the kind of things that are really, you know, that's not, and again, going back to the point of the opposite of love, right? The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Because hatred and anger are still like an emotion, whereas indifference is opposite because it's a non-emotion, right? And mm-hmm. just to briefly get clinical, not too much, but anger is a secondary emotion, right? Anger is easiest because... It's an easy expression of hard things to process and set out. So, like, people get angry when they don't know how to express sadness, frustration, confusion, grief. It's so much easier to be angry. Right. But the anger breeds hate. hate. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's where people often get confused. It's more like if you really don't care about somebody, like if you really don't love a person, like you just don't care. Right. In a quote unquote relationship with this other person in terms of not only the two of you, but also in regard to co-parenting, you know, there has to be some form of care. So you almost can't be completely indifferent in that moment. When yeah, you're, so when like you're, you're not indifferent toward the person. Right. I still care about you. I still sure. love you as like the father of my child. Yeah. But like I'm no longer like I don't hate or have this venom or this emotion about right. being right or like seeing you hurt or anything like that. And I think that's the big distinction is you become indifferent about being the right one or, you know, hurting the other person or making sure that your point comes across and being correct. I say you can either be right or you can be happy. Right. But but there's also but there's also a, you know, there's a far end of that spectrum too, I think. You know, if you go so far past the point of indifference, then it's like, you know, then you just kind of don't care what happens. Right, right, right. And that's like, that's not any more helpful whatsoever. So, you know, I think there's this sweet spot on the spectrum where you can interact with the other person. You obviously care about how they feel. They care about how you feel, but there's not that driving uh, emotion that kind of kickstarts problems that you don't want or that just really aren't needed. Yeah. So, I think that's that's the goal, right? Like on a continuum. So if we're thinking about coping skills and doing things in co-parenting at like the highest level, you want to be able to not have like a co-parenting therapist or like just be able to think kind of logistically, think through things, mediate things pragmatically together. Then you have kind of a middle tier where you're just not there yet. You need a co-parenting therapist to kind of be a mediator between the two of you to work out subjects, uh, maybe, you know, give you the coping skills that Mm -hmm. you need. And then you're kind of set and you're on your way. And then you have the lower tier where, you know, you need more support, more help, and you're just not there yet. Maybe litigation's going on uh, to a higher degree. Maybe you both just haven't been supported in other ways. And, you know, you need more help or, or support. I think it's, I I agree. I think it's like a developed skill set almost like you have to figure out. So like one, so like one of the examples that was brought to me, you know, asking around about, about this topic 
what a lot of people will say is I'm in a relationship with this person where we can con- we can interact and we can make some decisions, but there's still that not like animosity, but there's still just that like there's still that little I guess I guess you can call it animosity. There's just still that little bit of like reverse magnetic polarity that just kind of mm-hmm. pushes people apart mm-hmm. just in the sense of, you know, just that, that underlying unspoken separation between two people. And and really, I think having to develop that skill set where you can communicate with that person, but you don't you don't let it affect you in a way that generates anger or generates negative emotion. That's how you can you can better organize yourself to to take better care of a co-parenting situation. I think you have that in everyday life now, especially with technology where people get so used not to talking, but like in friendships, intimate relationships, relationships with family members. So whenever you don't speak to one another, whether that's at the end of a relationship, whether you're still in a relationship and you have a child and you don't talk about or communicate how you want to raise the child. Whenever I hear stories like that, I automatically think, okay, well, why don't you guys just go to dinner and sit down and talk to each other in the absence of, I don't, I don't want to go to dinner with you. We go to dinner all the time. That's what the person's going to say. I know. Well, that's what I'm like, saying. I'm not doing that. Exactly. Of course they're going to say that. And my response is like in the absence of abuse and like bad stories like that, of yeah. course you don't want to go to dinner. And just think, you know, you're the adult. You're raising a child or children. Suck it up. Get it together. Go sit down and have a meal with someone in public. Let, let me ask you a question though before you what? go on. How many meals in a restaurant did we actually complete? <laughs> in the time that we were initially kind of like battling this out. Because you can be like, hey, go, go sit down to dinner I feel like it's baby place. steps. <laughs> How many times did you, did one of us walk out on one of those meals? I usually am the one, I'm usually the one to initiate the dinner and then I'm usually also the one to get frustrated and get up and walk out. You owe me for all those tabs. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm, ve- I'm Venmoing you. Like that's happening. We did get through every one of birthday dinners true no matter how many motions true you so served me with on her birthday oh yeah that did happen every birthday <laughs> all right r.i.p <laughs> r.i.p to your birthday weekend r.i.p uh we got through every one of those dinners yeah but when it was just the two of us and things we get heated i had a tendency to yeah i left you with the check a few times r.i.p to your wallet r.i.p to your bank account <laughs> But yeah, I agree. I mean, that's obviously the first reaction is I can't believe you want me to sit down and have dinner with this person. Right. And it sounds like the biggest task, but you would be amazed what gets accomplished over some apps and like, you know, a martini. Yeah, I mean, it was, (laughs) it was. And if you don't drink, then sparkling water. But it's like. (laughs) It was tough, though. I mean, that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That initial step was was really tough. I just think the main takeaway is like you need to feel like anything that makes you feel relaxed, like a relaxed environment. It's in public. You're neither one of you is going to yell and make a scene, hopefully, hopefully at a restaurant. Yeah. And it's just a time where the two of you can kind of level with each other and be like, well, listen, this is what I feel. You know, talk about the relationship. If you didn't talk about the end of the relationship and, you know, it's been some time, talk about why it ended. You know, if it ended because of trust and communication, that's likely permeating your relationship right now. Or if it's like, well, I feel like, you know, you don't hear this or you don't hear this then that's going to be helpful in that underlying animosity. Well, your line was always, my line, I guess, was always, why are you bringing up old shit? Mm-hmm. And your line was always, you don't understand that that stuff affects how we 
still engage each other in relation to the care of our child. And I was just like, forget you. Like, I don't like, that's not true. Like I can, I can do my own thing. Like, I'm not worried about what you say. Like I'll handle my stuff. Right. I think the more I realized that that wasn't getting me anywhere from a communication standpoint. Right. Right. It was like, maybe I'm not right in, in this approach. Like maybe we do have to, or maybe I do need to address or process something that was happening emotionally from the separation, the breakup and all that underlying anger that came with it. So then we took it to the therapy couch. Right. Right. Yep. Where the magic happens. Ugh. I don't know if I'd call it magic. <laughs> that's, not, that's not, I don't know if that's the word. <laughs> yeah. Those are hard sessions. Yeah, they were. Those were really hard sessions. I'll be real honest. I think it's definitely worthwhile to have somebody objective in the room talking you through those emotions when you go through it. Like I, it's, I think that's a hard thing. I think it's doable, but I think it's a hard thing for couples to try to do in their own setting. Absolutely. Like I feel like, I feel like that's something that I think it would have to, you'd have to be kind of a special person to accomplish that individually. I don't feel like I could have. Well, and I think it's, and I think it definitely varies like depending on where you're at in your relationship and like how things ended. And of course, every couple is different. Right. Uh, My stage in the relationship was, I hate your guts (laughs) and your face is stupid. (laughs) So, you know, F you like, what do you like? Let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think like having somebody who was a good colleague of mine and then have her sometimes like side with with Jess was also good because you can you need to have somebody that's neutral. Was that because I was right? No. Oh. Sometimes fine. Most of the time. Oh, but that's okay. okay. Mm. All right. Let's chill on that. Maybe we need to take that okay. to the couch. So <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, inevitably like one parent or the other from time to time will think that the therapist is on their side. And it's just, you know, maybe it is true, but it's like none of us that are competent and respectable in the field are going to risk our license on one couple. I I joke about that. That's what I say. I'm like, you know, not one case, you know, is worth that. So I I think that it's important to have somebody that you feel is, is definitely like has. What you didn't realize it was was just an Ozark scenario where I was just walking back in and just (laughs) paying off, (laughs) paying them off. Spoiler alert. Did you <laughs> pay the, your bill? Huh? Before you say that, did you pay your bill? I certainly did. Okay, good. I certainly did. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I don't want them to listen to this and then be like, well, guess what? You nah, did it's it. All, it's, all, it's all squared away. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, there were a lot of there were a lot of every session was hard, even there were a lot of hard there were a lot of hard things that I had to swallow, right or right or wrong. You know, yeah, you you always want to feel like the person that's listening in the room is on your side because you always feel like you're right. Right. You're like, there's no way that I can be wrong in this. Yes. And I don't think it's a matter of like either side isn't wrong on certain things. Right. I just think it's a matter of finding the middle ground of, well, you're right on this, but you're wrong on this, but this other person's wrong on this, but they're also right about this. So there's like, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody has to kind of field those different things that are those different ideas that are getting thrown around. And it's not right or wrong in the sense that it's right or wrong. It's just how the other person interprets it uh, as right or wrong. Exactly. I I mean, I have yet to meet a co-parenting therapist. It's like, you're right, you're wrong. Right. It's just, it's almost like a multi, uh, multiple question or multi answer test. So it's like, well, these are both good answers, but one of them is more right for this situation. And I wanted it to be 
E, all of the above. Jess is right on everything. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect $100. <laughs> Shannon, go straight to jail. You did. Oh, you, yeah. You probably would have tried. No. You didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> we can definitely sit here and joke about it now. Uh, Which is why we're able to do this do podcast. This. Yeah, and hopefully be helpful because right. we fought over the same things that our friends and, and colleagues talk about, either them or their clients fighting over. Right. But that I think, you know, even in that really hard time where we were just really trying to process that type of anger, like that was pretty intense. Like those were really intense emotions. I think in other scenarios where couples have kind of lingered or not couples, I guess I should say like co-parents. Mm -hmm linger in years and years and years of never really processing those emotions. It just gets to a point where there's just this like static, not like anger, but there's just this almost like, I don't, I don't even know what the word for it would be. There's just a static disconnect, I think, between the two of them that you almost just can't get past. Like it's still just, I don't think it's like a, it's not a hatred, but it still seems like it's just like a visceral response for some people to either like maybe just not interact positively with that person, not like, yeah. not like outwardly like be angry with them or like hate them or like go against them, but just not, just not interact in a way that's beneficial maybe. So I got this really good advice from uh, a non family law attorney, but somebody that I was working with on, on something else. And they said that 60% of perception is body language 40% is uh, intonation, and then 10% is actual content. I don't know if I agree or disagree with that, but it's definitely worth noting and just kind of like storing in the back of your head because along the lines of what you were just saying, when you're co-parenting and you're around kids, you might not be saying something bad in content, mm -hmm. but there's a big difference between saying, okay, have a great weekend with mom or dad, and all right, have a great weekend with mom or dad. Right. And kids pick up on that. Right. Well, your 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 classic line was, there's that face again. <laughs> or You still do that. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> or why are you being so quiet? <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean you, you can read it. You can read you can read people's body language. And I mean, in a lot of times, like my RBF is just like super strong. So I, and your I response just, is always, that's just my face. That's just my so, face. Like, that's just how I look. I mean, maybe you could work on it. Angry, like, angry at you is a consistent emotion. <laughs> JK, take it JK, back. JK, take my him God. back. Take <laughs> him back. <laughs> but I think what you're saying has a lot of, like, credence to it in terms of dealing with the other co-parent is, do you want to have a, we, we call it parallel parenting, where you're basically kind of just, like, passing in the wind. And maybe you might exchange uh, messages on whatever form of electronics you use. You do a, a pass off where maybe you don't even get out of the car because the kids are of age and you really, you don't stand next to each other at sporting events. And that's certainly, you know, if you really can't get past your issues, that's a way where you're both involved in the children's lives, but you're not integrated into the kids' lives. And, you know, it's unfortunate uh, and sometimes it has to happen, but there is a better way, you know, and you just have to get to a point whether that's by going to individual counseling and reflecting on your responsibility and your own issues in the, not only the breakdown of the relationship or marriage, but also, you know, how some of those traits kind of flow into the, the now different type of relationship. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, 
everybody has their own personality and their own way of dealing with different situations. Mm -hmm. And so once you get to a point where you've kind of processed through some of that, that anger and some of that emotion, then it's just a matter of kind of understanding how the other person kind of deals with different situations. And, and yeah, you're right. People can kind of stay on one side of the fence or the other and just kind of go their own directions in life and just kind of intermittently pass. But if you can get to a point where you understand each other's nuances in terms of emotion, communication, interaction, humor, even because mm -hmm. like, you know, you can make jokes and the other person might take that the complete wrong way. Right. Uh, but you know, once you, it takes interacting to figure that out. Exactly. If you can do that successfully, that all the better it's going to be when you, that you can communicate with each other for the benefit of the co-parenting situation. If you can't, for whatever reason, then maybe you, you kind of take it back and go back to the counseling or go back to the, the therapist, maybe try to process through that. Or you just say, you know what, I don't, maybe we just need to kind of do this separately. That's not the, that's not the best way. Um, and I think all of it is progress. Yeah. Right. So I recently had an interaction with a client and they were talking about how, you know, they have it all together and they're used to that. And I let them know, I said, it's okay to not have it all together all the time. Right. You know, and sometimes being sarcastic or maybe like letting a comment fly, maybe that's progress for them. And it's not going to completely hurt all of the other progress they've made, but it's like, we're all human. Yeah. And this is like divorce and custody. I mean, it's a stressful and emotional time. And, you know, sometimes not everybody can have it all together 100% of the time. And, and that that gets hard initially. And, you know, not to go back to kind of the, the anger part of it, but there's a posturing element of it too. Like when you feel like, you know, you feel like you have to have it all together right, in right. that moment. And like, a, but you, as soon as you drop that ball, you're vulnerable. Yes. Uh, yes. and, and you, you feel like you always have to be on top of it in order to prove yourself as a, as a parent to this other person or to the, whoever else is involved. Not only during litigation, but like, I mean, and granted, I, I think it happens more with moms, uh, but I'm sure it can happen with dads too. And maybe you can talk to that, but there's definitely like mom guilt and mom shaming. And like, if you're not working and also baking like six loaves of banana bread and also like on top of scheduling and you've got like a star chart like you are. Just Arts and awful. crafts hour. Oh, yeah, man. You're done. <laughs> it's over. I'm here to tell you I am not that mom. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't start your own YouTube channel yet? Oh, no, not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, you, you do. You feel like you have to be like this rock star individual. And I mean, it's it's not that. I mean, you have to make sure that your kid's taken care of. Number one, do they have food? Do they have shelter? Do they have, are they going to school? You know, are they, are they, are you taking care of their basic needs? Yes. Are you basically, are they, are, are you are fostering you them a childhood? Right. Are you fostering their, their childhood? I mean, that, that's, that looks way different for a lot of different people, but you know, ultimately, regardless of what's going on with you and the other person, child is the person that that really matters. And I think that gets lost so many times because of the emotion, because of the anger, because of the litigation. Right. And we get we get so caught up in the phrase best interest, okay? So parents should stop saying the word 
interest and you should leave that to judges and clinicians and attorneys because we use that as a standard to determine different things throughout child custody, right? I feel like this is a hot button issue for you. I just get upset when I hear parents say it to each other because I'm like, both of you think what you're doing is in quote, best interest of the child. Sure. However, not, this is, is not, it, is in the, yeah, right. the kid doesn't give a shit about this. Like right. you guys give a shit about this. Right. And so I think leave that phrase out of, and you see it, especially in writing when there's litigation going on, like let the attorneys and judges and clinicians use that word to make determinations. And I think if parents left that phrase out of a lot of their uh, discussions, I think that that causes a lot of posturing. Like you said, I think it causes a lot of tense emotion because as soon as you see that word you're thinking of litigation you're thinking this parent's going to use this against me like well you know so and so's bedtime i i think that they go to bed at your house at at 10 o'clock and they go to bed at my house at eight and i don't think that's in so and so's best interest mm -hmm. immediately they're like okay well they're obviously going to be using this for something right so i think that they're is not they're not speaking to you they're speaking to the court right exactly 100 percent right. and Another another thing to be mindful of in, in, in thinking about that is kids only get one childhood. Mm -hmm. And as much as these years matter for the parents and caretakers, they matter way more for the kid. Right. So like the kid's going to look back on this and be like, okay, well, you know, mommy and daddy or mommy and mom or dad and dad weren't at my football game together or they had to be on opposite sides of the field because they couldn't stand one another. Right. And it's like, Y'all can't stand at the same side of the field for an hour. Yeah. So just things to think about when preserving the child's childhood. Right. Like they only get one. Right. Don't F it up. Yeah, don't F it up. <laughs> we don't, none of us get a manual. No. But if, you know, again, in the absence of abuse, in the absence of PFAs, it's like just. Just act right. Just act right. Take that act right pill in Take the morning. Take that act right pill. I'll write you a prescription. Yeah. See? Yeah. Dr. Sal. Act right. Act right. No free, no refills. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Uh, there just has to be some semblance of I am going to fall on my sword to do, to do what's best in the moment for, for who matters the most, because ultimately you don't matter the most. Uh, they do. I think we all lose sight of that at one point or another. Right. We certainly did. Right. And we, we still do sometimes. Right. But we, we've we definitely tried to kind of come back and, you know, give our child a little bit better experience than, you know, what we, what we went through in that time frame where she got moved around and all sorts of different things were happening. And I think it, it happened over time. Yeah. Right. So... We went from, you know, very tough co-parenting sessions to, uh, and we did, we got it all out on the couch or most of it out on the couch. And then we did take time to do dinners that didn't always end in, in me leaving. Um, and we, we started um, spending holidays together. We started doing brunches together for Christmas and we don't do Thanksgiving together. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. A lot of it was me. A lot of it was me just being angry. And like, I, I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to be in the same room with you. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to do those dinners. I didn't want to do that stuff. I felt like I knew better. Right. Like I was like, I'm going to give my child the experience that I want to give them. Uh, and it's going to be so much better than what you're doing. 
And I just honestly don't care what you want to do. Yeah. And I had to realize that that was just my ego being like, you're just in this to win. Like it wasn't even, it's not even like you're, you're not thinking about what actually matters here. You're, you're just, you're going with like, you're like what you want. Do you remember like what a turning point was for you? Uh, I don't remember exactly. I mean, there was, I don't think there was a strict turning point. I can remember our daughter being really upset uh, one Thanksgiving about being in separate locations mm -hmm. and, and literally crying on the phone about, I want us to be together, you know, and it was just, it's emotionally mm -hmm. uh, taxing uh, on, 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 it was, it was on me. Right. Uh, because I didn't want, I didn't want her to be upset, but it right. was like, you know, I wasn't thinking like us being together as a family unit matters more to her than anything else that's going on between us. Right. And that was actually, that was at a point in time when things were super, super, super contentious. Hot. Yeah. 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 Really contentious. Yeah. Do you remember though, like what made you kind of turn a corner or was it just me? Like, I mean, making you, you I'll be honest, over you, over. You, pre you pressed me like you pressed me hard on it. And I, court. I fought you tooth and nail on it. And, and there were, I can remember going to brunches and going to dinners that I was just like, I could tell that I was just like phased out. Like I yeah. didn't want to be there. I didn't, you know, I was like excited to see our kid, but mm -hmm. I like, I was just angry at you right. being there. And it was just like really hard to separate that. And you could tell. Yeah. Because, I mean, you'd stick me with little little jabs here and there that would kind of like fuel the fire. But I think you just did it because you were upset. I think you could tell that I just didn't want to be there. Yeah. And and that was, I think, hard for you because you're like, why are you being such a jerk? Kind of, can you just separate yourself from this for a minute for her? Yeah. Like, um, I was like, I'm trying. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't, I don't like you either right now. Right. But right. like, you know. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Hate, I hate you more. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it was tough because it took doing that repeatedly and, and really just being like, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this not for Shannon, but for our child. Right. And uh, same. And I think me explaining that to you was helpful. At least I think it was. I would say, you know, I'm not doing this because I like you and I right. want to spend time with you. You know, I'm not inviting you to things on my weekend because right. I want to spend time with you. I'm doing it because, you well, know, she wants you to be there. The other thing too was, and it wasn't just you, there was there was a point where our um, family or our co-parenting counselor had said, you need to set aside some time, maybe once a week, where you both do things with your daughter mm -hmm. and try and and she said mm -hmm. try to and I think that may have been where some of that press from you kind of came to me and was like all right I'm gonna give this a shot like it's not it's Shannon not saying it's it. not just yeah. Shannon saying it it's somebody telling me this that is an objective professional like maybe I just need to do this and and see where it goes and I think that's super important too what you're saying because a lot of folks think like they're failing if it doesn't work the first time and actually just doing it the first time is a success. Right. And you, ha it's, I hate to say, but it is almost like exposure therapy because mm -hmm. divorce is a trauma, mm -hmm. you know, separating 
is a trauma, even if you were never married, Mm -hmm. you're breaking up a family to make a new type of family, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's constantly what we're telling our daughter is, you know, this is just a new type of family, right? We're just not, we're we're a family, but we're different kind of family. And it's kind of just like re-exposing yourself and desensitizing yourself. And I really hate to put it that way, but it is, that is what you're doing. Yeah. And over time, as long as you can build a better foundation of communication it also builds trust, right? right? So you are starting with nothing. right? And the more times that you do something together and are able to leave and no one's running into court or that you're able to say something and nobody's going into court or using it against you, uh, you know, that's just going to build up trust. Right. It has to be from both sides, though. Absolutely. Because if it's all just one person giving that up, that'll never work. Yeah. It took me letting that rope out a little bit for you mm-hmm. to see what happened yeah, and and kind of letting go. It took me letting a lot of things roll off my back, which was hard. Yeah. But uh, yeah, over time, it, it got easier. Uh, so I, I can sit here and, and we say- we both had to do the work because as much as like I extended the offer, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't be able to extend the offer either. So it took work on both of our ends, you know? Right. What I can sit here, I think what I can sit here and say really without a doubt is that our co-parenting counselor was not wrong on, on a lot of things. No. And, you know, a lot of people will sit in sessions and they'll be like, well, you're wrong. Like, there's no way that that's going to be effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you just kind of discount the advice of the professional, then you're not going to get anywhere. Right. Um, so, so you have to at least open yourself up to that, if nothing else. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I'm not a professional. I mean, I'm, I'm a sports medicine physician, but I'm nowhere any type of psychology professional. So it was kind of like, what do I know about this other than, I, I mean, I'm here, I'm doing this. I should probably take the advice that I'm given. Uh, and it was kind of like, it was just, it was just literally, I think, taking that step of, I'm not, I have to stop being so egotistical about, I'm right. My anger is emotionally right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So being able to kind of separate yourself from that, I think is, is tough. Yeah. It's really tough. Especially in a situation where you're really angry. Yes. So. For sure. And that was kind of our process. And then from there, like you're saying, I mean, we just kept doing things and we just got to a point where, you know, our custody is fluid, our, um, holidays and birthdays are fluid. Mm -hmm. We have an agreement, but we never use it. Right. I mean, it's not, it's there. Yeah. In case we need it. Yeah. I mean, I, and that, that, that has to be a thing, but you also want it to be a thing that you never have to make a thing. Right. Uh, you know, you don't want to be running back And that was something else that you said, like you don't always want to be running to your lawyers or running to court or your co-parenting or or to your co-parenting therapist about issues that you can solve on your own. Yeah. And I mean, and like I said earlier on the continuum, like the hope is that, you know, two adults can come together to say, we're not going to argue about X, Y, or Z. However, if you're not in that place, the hope is that you go to co-parenting to develop a skill set in a short period of time and then you're able to take that skill set and not be stubborn to communicate effectively and continue to do that on your own because every time, you know, somebody 
forgets to bring a basketball home or somebody forgets, you know, the to un- go. The underwear. Oh my God, forget it. The socks. It's over. Forget it. It's over. You don't want to be arguing about that. You right. know, we had a judge in family court that um, termed that broccoli. It's broccoli. It means like, I don't want to deal with this. Like, this is something. This and it is, was about a case this where is somebody was like supposed to be eating, you know, this type of food or that type of, but it was like, this is broccoli. Like, I don't, I'm not dealing with this. So y'all figure it out. Right. Right. (laughs) And, you know, I, I don't mind, you know, talking clients through that because I think that that's kind of something that they've never had to deal with before. And it's kind of like, also, I, I've mentioned this in, I can't remember the first or second podcast episode, but marriage, um, and partnerships are like corporations Uh, I liken them to that. And most partners have like a role in that business. And when you separate, uh, whether you were married or not, you know, you kind of get into this pattern where you're like, well, how come, you know, mom or dad is doing this or isn't doing that? And how come they're doing this and not doing that? Well, you've been in an intact family dynamic for so long. Yeah. Now it's broken pieces. Right. And it's like, well, you know, this person always made sure that Johnny had his underpants. And this person always made sure that, you know, uh, Kimmy always went to and got to ballet. Now Johnny's just got socks on his head. Yeah. Like broccoli's getting thrown. Johnny's not making it to ballet. Like it's like, (laughs) and Kimmy's not making it to basketball. Johnny's at ballet when he should be at football football practice or whatever. I mean, mean, we're gender neutral here. That's right. You're right. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't do that. (laughs) So, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and and a lot of uh, caretakers get upset about that, and it's understandable and it's reasonable. However, there is an adjustment period where folks could really kind of reflect on, well, what were we like in an intact family? Did I do this all the time? Did they do this all the time? Yeah. What was my what was my organized role? Right. And how like, do we I? We definitely learn? had them. Oh yeah. I. <laughs> what do you What do you think yours was? <laughs> my organized role was critiquing your organization of all the roles. <laughs> I think that was my major role. I was like, a, I was a manager. I was like an operations manager. Like yeah. I was just like, I see this all getting done and it's getting done very well. Congra- yes. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> You're super organized. I mean, we can't, that goes without saying. Like Thank you, you. You have a lot of, uh, skill sets in terms of that, that I just don't, I mean, you're, you have a, your calendars all set. Like you write stuff down, like you make lists, you know, where everything's happening all the time. I was never like that. I was always just kind of like, where do we have to be like an hour before we had to be there? <laughs> um, is this, but you still, were on time. I, I was. was never on time, but I had to learn. I really had to adopt skill sets quickly that I wasn't used to. And I just had to I mean, do my best, but again, your family helped a lot. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I can't, you don't just like figure that out overnight, but that goes back to, I think that whole thing of like, you're not perfect. You know what I mean? You just have to, you just have to do the best that you can. Oh my God. We should talk about the lice story. (laughs) (laughs) Lice is dastardly. Like right after things blew up and I physically moved out of the house, our daughter got lice at school Mm -hmm. and we found out after she had been with both of us at one, at one point in time, I forget what happened, but so we got the note from the school and either you had her and looked through her hair or I, I had had her and then got the email. So she was with you physically. I forget. So anyway, so we get rid of everything. We like scorch our houses. Yeah. 
It's all good. She gets it a second time. Right. Let me tell you what those text messages were like. Yeah. Fire. Fire. Like daggers. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm calling CYF on you. Right. <laughs> and that's like the, that's the litmus test yes. of how bad, like how bad is this yes. right now? Yes. And you were like, this is one of those instances where, <laughs> you know, you like, this is a poor, this is a poor but I don't, I mean. I'm willing, to, I'm willing to take one for the team and, and show my not best divorcee co-parenting side because right. would I do that now? Absolutely not. No. Do people do that when they are like in the throes of it? Absolutely. Right. And we ended up, you know, obviously figuring it out. We didn't have to shave any heads. Right. It didn't need to go. It didn't need to be that. Didn't need to be dirty. But it was, but it was an angry situation in yes. a time that was angry. Looking back on it now. Something that we could have solved. We did solve relatively easily, but um not a broccoli issue. Not that a broccoli not issue. A broccoli that issue. was not a broccoli issue. Yeah. That was a that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely think there's a distinction and a continuum. And I think that's kind of like the takeaway from at least our takeaway from, you know, what we've learned and what we tend to do. Right. And what what I encourage clients to do, you know, I you have to meet people where they are emotionally and also at the same time you know, kind of level with them and say, all right, this is something you need to figure out. And I am here to help you develop that skill set. However, you need to be able to have the conversations. Yeah. I mean, you're not perfect. Right. Your partner your or whoever is not perfect. Right. And you just have to recognize that no matter what you think, the other person is not doing everything right. Absolutely. And no matter what you think, you're not doing everything right. And you both are going to be around long after the litigation's over. Mm -hmm. You're both going to be around and be in your child or your children's life long after they're 18. It's not like an expiration point. Right. <laughs> so being able to kind of be fluid and flexible and just kind of bend together is, is really helpful. Just act right. Act right. And wear level your, and level up. Level up. And wear your mask. Wear your mask, man. Jeez, level up wear and wear your mask. Please. People need to level up their co-parenting. Yes. Hashtag level up. Hashtag level up. Hashtag act right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that does it for this week's episode. What do you think, Day J. Sal? That was a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. All right. Well, you can email us at umadbropgh at gmail.com. And we would love to hear your uh, feedback. Not, not, we don't want to hear if we suck or not. Please don't. No, I'm just kidding. But we want to hear suggestions <laughs> for like future. All feedback is welcome. All feedback is welcome. We're, we're not perfect, Shannon. We're not we perfect. Have to remember okay, that. okay. But we'd really like suggestions for future episodes. You can also find us on Instagram uh, at umadbropgh. Uh, and that's it for us. Feel free to like, uh, follow, oh, uh, yeah, review. Oh, yeah, rate, review, subscribe. Right. Uh, and tell your friends. Tell your friends. And wear tell a mask. Tell your co-parents. Oh, wear a mask. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. 